Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bedrock City Presents Uncanny Universe Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The end of the James Gunn trilogy is finally upon us, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to go and get this thing going. Hey, everyone, this is Dylan. And I'm Michael. And of course, as always, we will be spoiling the film. However, we will not spoil it until we are done with the news, which is going to be amended this week, so about 20 minutes of news. Um, so you've got, if you want to just skip right to the review, just go in in about 20 minutes and you'll probably be close enough. Um, uh, but we will not spoil it until we get to that point. So you're safe if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But Dylan, what you got this week? All right. So it's kind of light on news this week a little bit. Right. But, um, it's, it, it really is not a lot. They knew it was free comic book day and they wanted to take it easy on us. I, you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, uh, first up uh, is like kind of an update. I think we already know about, or most people do. We haven't talked about it here, but the the WGA, WGA Writers Guild of America uh, strikes going on in Hollywood and I guess across America. Yep. Um, this is basically they want to get paid fairly. You know, um, things have been oh, adjusting. Like, <laughs> yeah, they want to make a living wage, wow. and um, a lot of the rules and stuff are dated like and i haven't adjusted for streaming and of course they're also worried about things like ai writing um right and stuff as they like should that. be yeah so they're on strike and it's affecting a lot of uh your favorite tv shows um what they're doing is um like setting up a picket line and for these qualifications a picket line is just like two people with a sign in front of a um any kind of production where they're shooting. Okay. And if there's two people striking for WGA, then the other um, guilds like actors and producers and stuff like that, they can refuse to cross the picket line and not face any like basically consequences. Um, sure. Yeah. So like no backlash they when they're like crossing their picket line. Yeah. Right. So they're on sets like Wonder Man. That's getting delayed. Daredevil. Um, yeah, nobody likes a scab. <laughs> True uh game of thrones um i don't yeah. know like there's a, basically yeah, a every show everything that you care about uh probably is getting affected i hope this doesn't go on as long as that other one like a decade ago i don't remember probably that, longer actually. that one was a long time i, I don't and remember that one led when to, like was. lots of bad tv and like reality yep. shows and yep do you think that'll happen this time man where they learn i don't know that? i feel i feel like um Hollywood is just now sort of rebounding from COVID. So they would probably want to avoid that, avoid more shutdowns. I agree. So obviously we're getting shutdowns right now, but I think like they'll have to figure it out quickly. Agreed. I hope they do because I I know they shut down uh, some movies too. So yep. Uh, Blade, Blade, I think. Yep. Blade being a big one. That poor movie. It's never coming out. It's still being Bro. written. <laughs> Rewritten and rewritten. It's not being written now. I think um unrelated, but Michael Waldron, and the guy who wrote Multiverse of Madness, they said that they asked for like 33 rewrites on it on it or something okay. like that. There were like a bunch of rewrites, so I thought that was uh interesting. I hope he I think he's set to do the other future Marvel movies too. Hope not. I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. But um there's also, some DC news. Oh, um, okay. Jim, Jim Lee, who we know from... Veteran of the show, Dylan. Don't you remember Dylan? Jim Lee has been on Uncanny Universe podcast? 
Yes, you've had the president of DC Comics on. That's pretty we have. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, mm-hmm. I guess I revealed the headline. We <laughs> buried the lead, Dylan. My bad. He's promoted to president of DC Comics, which it's speculated that he's kind of been doing this role already. Um, and he's always he's been like a suit at DC for like many years now, not really just like a comic artist the way he used to be. But that's how he started on, you know, X-Men and stuff like that, and then rose the ranks at DC. And now he's um he he was their publishing uh chief creative officer, but now he's the president. He's still answering to um Pam Lifford, president of global brands at DC. So he's got someone to that he has to like report to still. He's not like it's not like free reign. But um I don't know. I don't know what this will I, what this I, means. I know he he was instrumental in um rebirth for DC and the new fifty-two and like yeah. some major rebrands that were pretty successful. So I I don't know what it means like in terms of creatively what will change though. It's hard to say because like you said, it does feel like he's been functioning as this role anyway for a while. Yeah. Um and the, by the way, if, if anybody wants to go back and listen to that episode, it is episode 88 from November of 2017. So you got to keep scroll way back in your podcast app. It's it's down there. Nice. What are we yeah. on now? Oh, boy. 370. This, I think this is 371, 372. I'd have to look. Nice. Yeah, this is, um, this, is this should be 372. Cool. Well, um, yeah. maybe we'll have him back on. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet him. I mean, honestly, the interview is not that insightful. We ended it, he and I ended up gossiping about Howard Stern for most of it. Well, sounds like he had a good time. He did. It was it was a it was a blast. Dan DiDio was great too, but um And this was when they signed to Bedrock too. So they were they were yep. really cool at that also. He was uh he did a really good job. Um but it's nice that someone there's someone who like knows comics at least, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, it seems like he's gonna be working closely with James Gunn because they're trying to streamline comics movies tv video games that kind of thing you know good so if he's like the person representing the comics i think that's a good thing but time will tell you never know what at&t will make him do (laughs) i mean yeah we'll see um pivoting slightly still on warner brothers news but not dc we got a mortal Kombat 2 update um (laughs) where do you i can't remember where do you stand on the pandemic mortal Kombat movie that's what i think of when i think of the movie the animated one no this was the live action one that was like um theater it was like one of the first theater and dc or uh hbo max streaming movies did i watch it is the question i think you did i'm pretty sure we reviewed it no way we reviewed the scorpion movie the animated scorpion movie there's no way we would miss the live action mortal Kombat movie right mortal Kombat from 2021 yeah no there's no way i saw this movie Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm looking at this. Yes. Wow. Dylan. So the answer is nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing I didn't like it. I don't don't remember much about it. I'll be honest. I don't remember the plot at all. I remember it was mostly about Sub-Zero, right? Like Sub-Zero is like the bad guy or something. No, it was mostly about that new character with the shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the OC. Yeah. I didn't like that. That was my biggest complaint with it. But I did thoroughly enjoyed the movie i thought it was really fun um i, I rated it one and a half on letterboxd oh it was awful but uh, okay. i did i enjoyed myself um okay. but they're making a sequel to it i'm hoping they just like ramp up all the craziness and kind of push that oc to the side you know and focus yeah, on, on the main character 
But it seems like they may be doing that because they've reportedly maybe cast Johnny Cage. Okay. And that would be Carl Urban from okay. The Boys, Judge Dredd, uh, Star Trek, um, Lord of the Rings. I don't know what else he's in. Other stuff, you know. All sorts of things. For reference, Dylan gave, gave uh, Mortal Kombat 2021 a two and a half. I stand by that. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I'd have to rewatch yeah, anyway. it. It might be a two. Uh, but anyway, um, I want them okay. to just go like full. I don't know, like silly, like the Meg yes. Transformers, like like a little bit more crazy, you know, more gore. Um, I mean, th- that's what the movie needs. The movie needs to be dialed up and. I mean, follow the scream, the scream methodology, right? The sequels need to be bigger, more blown out, higher body count. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, let's go. Johnny Cage is like, for those who don't know, he's like a an ex actor or like a failed actor, right? Um, yes. Um, no, Johnny Cage is not a failed actor. He's he's um, a successful actor. He's a successful like action star. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who to compare him to, like a. He's, I mean, he always like kind of looks like Tom Cruise in the games. But I read him as like a B list action star, not like, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, let me, I'm talking like maybe like pre Top Gun Tom Cruise when he's in like, um, yeah, I could see that, you know, anyway, yeah, sort of like that look, but like a Bruce Willis, like Jason Statham. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. American Jason Statham. Yeah. Um, it's a megalodon. That, yeah. That's American well, Jason Statham, but he was a big character missing from the last one. But that's true. So was uh, um, Shao Kahn, Sindel, Quan Chi, and Katana, who are apparently supposed to be in this one also. Okay, Dylan with Sindel, the... I love Sindel. Sindel's my favorite too. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, this is Katana. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be bad as well. I'm sure. Yes, of but course. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, the next one is some Spider-Verse news uh, across the Spider-Verse. Tickets just went on sale, so if you want to get yours, it's now's the time, you know? Yep. Um, I got mine. It's reportedly two hours and 20 minutes, the longest uh, major animated release from a Hollywood studio ever. That's like, wild. I feel like it's too long. I'm sure it'll be two, great. In the, uh, you said how it. long? 220? Yeah. That's a long time. Like Especially for animation, because like you're just stretching your resources. The, how long is Akira? Because that movie's real long. Oh, oh, that's only two hours and four minutes. Ooh. Okay. This is longer than Akira. Akira does feel long. I'll give you that. Akira um, feels real long. And I, and I like Akira, but like when, when it's animated, that plus two hour mark is rough. You got to you gotta really earn it. Yeah, Though, I'm sure it'll be great. The first one is tremendous. So I have no reason to doubt. It's just interesting like that the amount of resources that they spend when making it very long like that. That's t- typically why animated movies aren't long is because number one, the attention span of kids. And number two, it's just thousands of people working more, more years, you know, to make it like two. Mo- this is basically two movies, you know, mm-hmm. and they already split it into two movies. It's part one, you know? Right. So it's just like this, this like one movie has been stretched and stretched and stretched and it's kind of crazy, but I'm very much looking forward to it. We only have a couple weeks left. A few weeks? I don't know. Uh, soon, either way. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great. Second. Yeah. And then lastly, we got a new Oppenheimer trailer, 
which to me had nothing really that new in it. Okay, so I I agree and I disagree. I think um, it didn't do anything different to sell me on the movie, but I liked what I saw because there was some. I think the the previous trailers have been very bomb bomb like sort of like bombastic vibes and this one you got a lot more interpersonal stuff between you got to see killian murphy actually being oppenheimer which is interesting talking Talking, right you get to see maybe a little bit more of what the plot is i mean we should all but we knew that right we all know the plot relatively anyway um but either way it looks very good is yeah it is a good trailer it, I, but I, I think, feel like I yeah. just know exactly what it is, and yeah, I don't. I mean, no, no amount of trailer is needed to tell me what this movie is going to be like, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean, I know Christopher Nolan. I know what I'm getting. Yeah, generally speaking, agreed. And I and what I'm getting is probably going to be good, probably, um, unless I mean, I I need to go back and see Tenet. We talk. I feel like we just talked about Tenet. Um, I need to go back and see Tenet again because I haven't seen it since theater, so I don't know if no, it's, you're good. It is it has it not is it worse than I remember it? I haven't rewatched it, but I'm not going to either. Okay. Excellent. And neither are you, frankly. I don't No, think. I'm not. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> the poster is like uncharacteristic uncharacteristically bad, I feel like, too. Robinheimer? Nolan movie. Yeah. Or, it looks like a It doesn't look good, yeah. It's just like it's dude standing there. Like normally Nolan movies are very like more conceptually interesting. I don't know. Maybe there's something we're missing. I don't know. Maybe we're missing something. We'll see. But um, yeah. that's all the news I got. All right. Well, let's hear about that live sale. I bet you didn't know that we host a weekly live streaming comic sale. Dust off your old Facebook account or borrow your grandma's login. Join us every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Central. Bedrock City is the only verified blue check comic store on Facebook, meaning we're better than everyone else. It also means that we're trusted to bring you brand new quality key issues, comic bundles, variants, and more every week at super affordable prices. Even if you've already spent all your money on Fortnite skins like me, you can still join just to hang out and chat comics with Kevin Austin and me. For all the details not covered here, or if your auditory processing disorder didn't allow you to comprehend anything I just said, head over to bedrockcity.com slash live to read all the details. Hashtag ad. And we are back. And before we get to my news, we're going to do our picks of the week. I'm going to go ahead and go first. I'm picking a manga this week. I am picking PTSD Radio Volume 3. This is the final volume because it was deemed too disturbing. Uh, and the the author stopped making it because he uh, got a lot of feedback about it being too disturbing. So he stopped making it. It's a it's a sort of a Junji Ito-esque collection of horror stories. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you like Junji Ito. Uh, my pick is a DC Dawn of DC launch. It's Green Lantern number one. Yes. Um, by Philip Kennedy Johnson, friend of the store. Yes. Basically, right? I gave him a ride. Oh, yeah. You know, I he's did. a friend. He's a close personal um, friend. But all these have been good so far. I'm looking forward to this one as well. Awesome. Um, all right. Getting into the news here. Uh, like Dylan said, it, the news is pretty light this week. So I have two um, Blu-rays to talk about. One that's interesting just from a I'm excited standpoint and one from a I'm annoyed standpoint. First one okay. from from Scream Factory, um, The Burning. 
is coming to 4K. The Burning is a 1980, I don't know, early 80s slasher movie, very much inspired by Friday the 13th, but has a very infamous kill scene where like six people die in a minute and a half span. It's just, and it comes out of nowhere. It's really awesome. It's got a really, really good scene in it. Okay. Um, I'm I'm excited for it. There's new new features, new 4K transfer. Very exciting. Okay. That's that's that. However, so Dylan, there is the, the other thing I want to talk about is there is this Australian Blu-ray releasing company called okay. um, Umbrella Entertainment. Not that umbrella. <laughs> and <laughs> let's see if I can send you this link here. Um, yes, perfect. Yes, I can. So they have a movie coming out called Razorback. Okay. And Razorback is an exploitation movie. Exploitation is Australian exploitation. So movies that are made and targeted to release in Australia. And it's okay. a movie about a killer warthog. But I just want to and and it's it's terrible garbage, not worth but not worth anything. But it's a 4K release and it has the most deluxe packaging I've seen. Look at all Whoa. this crap. Like there's a there's a figure of the Razorback, a T-shirt, multiple posters, all sorts of junk that I and I loved it. I love this, but it's it's a, I mean it's a it's a it's a foreign release. Uh, so why are they rolling out the red carpet for Razorback? That's what I'm saying. But Umbrella, I I've mentioned them before on this podcast for releasing just top tier editions, and that America needs to step it up. That's really all I got on that. Like Vinegar Syndrome is great for film quality and presentation but in terms of extras like i i've never gotten a warthog figurine from from vinegar syndrome is all i'm saying um so if you have a region free 4k player uh go seek it out <laughs> which i'm sure okay. nobody nobody has one of those um next bit of news before we get to the two big trailers um it appears that we're going to be getting a blair witch sequel Dylan Blair Witch. Remember that one? Do we not know that? Um, no, I don't think we did. Okay, go on. Um, Oliver Park, who directed nothing that anybody cares about. Okay. Um, has been hired to direct hired to direct the quote untitled Blair Witch sequel for Lionsgate, and it's a uh, targeting a late summer slash fall shoot. He's directed The Offering, Strange Events, Still, and A Night of Horror, Nightmare Radio. I don't know any of those. Um, nope. I weirdly enough just recently rewatched the first Blair Witch on VHS. Um, I want to say three or four weeks ago. It's really good. It holds up very Still well. Still holds up. Still holds up. It's it's very good. Um, and you can see all the fingerprints that that movie laid on all the other found footage movies. Like I hadn't seen it in so long. True. Have you seen the original Blair Witch, Dylan? Yeah. Okay. It it holds up pretty well. It's pretty good, even though you know all the bits that are going to happen. I think it's a really good one. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Now the sequels are all bad. I've. Do you, do you think this new one will use some of the same like movie making techniques that the other one did? Like. I, no, like I don't like improv stuff and like that, that kind of thing. That would know? be the way, but see, but I think they can't anymore. Well, I don't know. Like the, the, the gimmick of the first one was that they marketed it as real. Right. And I think doing a sequel to something like that is just not ever going to achieve what that first one did. Like you were never going to do that. 
It's like following okay. up a, doc, a, a documentary, quote unquote, with fiction. They should have just mm-hmm. continued to make mockumentaries. Um, but can this can this do that in return to that form? Maybe. Um, I think that that'd be really neat. But I don't know. I think that would be the way to go, rather than just make another, just try to make a scary movie in the woods. Because that video game was not very good. Oh yeah, I wanted to like it. I really <laughs> did, but it was bad. So, and I forgot about that. Yeah. So there we go. So yeah. So Dylan, I guess we did know. Um, in April, Lionsgate announced that they were trying to relaunch the the Blair Witch franchise, but they didn't. We didn't have any details about it. But now that we have a director, there we go. I feel like every horror franchise, either someone is like currently talking about relaunching it, or like it is, of course, being relaunched. You know, well, horror is the perpetual money maker, right? Like, yeah, it's it. They're cheaper to make than a lot of other movies. Um, they're easy and they're crowd pleasers. So, um, moving on to the final two stories here, we got two trailers this week. Um, one I got to see in front of guardians, but we'll talk about that one last, but today the Meg two, the trailer dropped. Yeah. The trench, (laughs) the Meg two, the trench. You know what? I thought the trailer was awesome. It does. I mean, it does exactly what it says on the box. You know, it, it's the Meg fighting dinosaurs. And it definitely does not take itself seriously. The first one was a lot of fun. And I had a surprising blast at that movie. And I enjoyed the book, too, for what it's worth. I remember we read the book. Oh, right. Yeah. I enjoyed the book. I mean, relatively. Like, I wouldn't go out and seek out the sequels. Although, I maybe maybe I will for this. Um <laughs> I mean, I have um, no notes on the trailer. Me neither. It looks like a lot of fun. It looked like what I was asking them to do with Mortal Kombat, which is just amping it up, you know? Like Exactly. You gotta do something bigger every sequel, and there's um a lot of satisfying moments in the trailer, you know? I yes. just wonder if it showed too much. That's what Matt was saying. Matt was like, I think they showed too many of the kills or surprises in the trailer. Yeah, especially one with a character that, like, I maybe wouldn't know was going to die. Right. I don't know. I get but, that. But uh, it's not that serious. It's the Meg, you know, it's like, it's it's okay. But I'm very excited for it. And finally, we got a trailer for Dune Part 2. Now, this came out the day before I saw Guardians, but I held off hoping I'd see it in Dolby. And I did. Nice. And it was awesome. That was a good choice. Yeah. Um. And the trailer is obviously awesome. It does whatever it does, what we were expecting it to do and be awesome. I assume I didn't pregame with Dylan. I assume you like the trailer. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it's great. Um, it looks so good. Uh, it's coming out November 3rd. Um, we get to see the hype up to Muad'Dib writing the Shai Halud. Yeah, and... that was like the big stinger at the, in the end of the trailer. It was really exciting. Oh, man. It's so exciting. This movie's gonna. this movie's going to rule. Um, I need to watch Dune again. I think I'm going to reread the book as well before the movie. I was thinking about maybe not rewatching it and finding a double feature when it comes out. I'm hoping that that Ooh. is something that gets announced, like an IMAX double feature or something. I don't I know. I mean, yeah, there's no harm because I mean, you'll know about that weeks before the movie comes out, so you're not going to be surprised. Yeah, that's true. But that's my that's my goal. I'd like to do that. I know that's like a 
probably like six hour adventure, but I think it'd be worth it. That's worth it. Now, <clears throat> is this the end? It, or I mean, of this of Dune one? It seems like it. Yeah, that's what okay. they're saying. Okay. You never know. There could be a surprise. Hmm. Paul I'm will excited. return. Paul, Paul will return. Mwadib. <laughs> um, um, but I liked getting to see like Florence Pugh. Yeah, uh, Princess Irulan. Yes. Um, she looks like she has an expanded role here. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. Hard to tell. But I don't uh, well, think you. I mean, it's, it's hard to say Pugh for like a few seconds. You know. I mean, true, but maybe you do. I don't know. Um, but I don't know how you fold her into the story too much. If I mean, we'll have to see. But she's kind of just like telling little stories before chapters and stuff like that. You know. Right. Um, so. I mean, and that's what she did in the David Lynch movie too. Like, yeah, she was just like a a weird little narrator. And but I she don't didn't think... narrate the first one, so that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, so I feel like we're gonna see her interact with characters, maybe. And I thought uh, Fade Fade Rautha looked pretty cool too. Yes, you know? definitely. I, I know that's like a little bit of a departure. The bald. Uh, Who cares? But I like how consistent it is between like. Um, the beast and uh Harkonnen, Baron Harkonnen, yep. you know, like the 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 white bald kind of scary look. Yep. So I'm excited. I Everything looks so good. It just looks visually so exciting. It uh, will be a visual feast, that much we know. A feast. <laughs> Denny Villeneuve will eat. He will slay. Sure. He will <laughs> that's a slay. All right, <laughs> but anyway, uh that's gonna do it for my news. Let's hear about those tabletop events. It's time to give you the rundown on all of the awesome upcoming tabletop events for the month of July. All exact dates and formats can be found on our Discord server. Kicking it off with Keyforge. We run two events a month at our Clear Lake location from 7pm till around 9. Keyforge is the perfect game for casual and hardcore card game players. We also love our role-playing games. Once a month at our Clear Lake store, we host an in-store one-shot RPG for players of all skill levels. Players don't need to bring anything. All play materials, dice, pencils, and character sheets will be provided. There is no entry fee. However, we do ask that you make a purchase of any size from the gaming department on the day of the event. Seats are very limited, and sign-ups are only open for about three weeks before the event. And of course, I can't forget about Paint Club. Every month we get together and paint some tabletop RPG miniatures. These events are for painters of all skill levels, including none. These events occur at Arcady and Clear Lake locations. We'll see you at the game tables. And we are back, and we are going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the final James Gunn directed film for Marvel, I'm sure, ever. Um, I mean, although, who, who's to Unless. say? <laughs> who's to say? Hopefully, because if he comes back, that would mean something went really wrong at dc <laughs> yeah right um and last warning spoilers we will be spoiling guardians of the galaxy 3 and any other thing that this movie is related to so and possibly speculating about this about the future so if you don't want to be a part of that then um maybe hit pause and then go see the movie and then come back all right cool all right so here we are talking about guardians 3 and let's see we we talked about it last week about our hype levels for the movie um Dylan, where were you at um the day of going to see the movie? 
Um, I was pretty excited. Um, I had seen some of the early reactions from the critics that I like online. Mm -hmm. Um, and I w myself was going to a pre-screening. Uh, so and those are always a good time. So I was pretty. What day did you it. see it? I saw it only a day early Wednesday. Oh, okay, I saw so I saw it Thursday. Okay, yeah, I was pretty excited too. Um, I'd seen all the positivity online, and like everybody's like, "This is the best Guardians," and so no, I was pretty excited. Like Lori and I both went to the movie, and oh, nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that being said, it does have the lowest RT score of the trilogy. Does it really? Which is surprising to me. Yeah. Because I mean, not getting ahead of myself, but I do think this is probably the best of the three. Um, I, I haven't seen, I haven't gone back and watched one in a long time, and it's definitely okay. better than two. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that it's better than two. Um, I d I just don't remember one well enough to to speak articulately about it, but I think it's better than one. I but agree. Anyway. Um, one gets points for being groundbreaking within the MCU. You know, what of I course. Mean? But this right. is a, I think this is like a better film all around right um so let's talk about it dylan do you want to um take us through it at all sure um i guess we can talk about like let's do, you want to you know, let's, let's talk about the cast first let's like, like that's always yeah. sort of where we where we begin so um we have everybody returning um the chris pratt karen gillen zoe saldana batista uh sean gunn bradley cooper <laughs> does vin diesel count um yeah okay am i missing anybody oh palm palm clementif yeah something like that sure and then um, and then <laughs> yeah and then new favorites as well um so i think that the cast did a pretty good job here um i think um, historically, I've not been a big fan of Chris Pratt in these movies. Like he's fine, he's fine, um, but I think this was the best he's been uh, for Guardians, as well as Batista. I think Batista did really well in this movie. He finally um, he was less, I don't know, extreme. Yeah, he wasn't like constantly shouting. You know, he seemed more like yes. a real a real character to me. So I totally agree with that. But I've liked, I think Chris Pratt has been good in the whole trilogy, kind of like you said. Um, but I agree this was like the most emotional arc that we've seen from him yet. And I thought he delivered on it, you know? I do too. And he's he's had a lot of uh, negativity lately, I guess, just with performances and whatnot. Um, but I think this one was pretty good for him. So I... I mean, it's basically written for him, and it is him. You know, it's like right. Taylor made to like set him up for a win, and and he did that. So, um, could he play another character? I don't. I don't think so. You know? No, no. Uh, Bradley Cooper as Rocket is obviously good. Um, he's always been uh, to me like a standout. Um, I agree. I always, yeah. I always think his. I mean, and and it's hard because he's he's not acting in the same room with anybody. You know, he's playing off of. A voiceover role. Yeah, he's doing a VO role, so he has to work very differently than everybody else. Um, For some reason, they had Sean Gunn as Young Rocket, like with really? a like pitched up. 
Which I thought was a weird choice. Why not just do Bradley Cooper? Maybe they had to do with like reshoots or something, or they could only get Bradley Cooper for a certain number of days. But that is really a weird decision. I didn't notice. Yeah, I didn't notice either. But like, there were a lot of like, I don't know, gun isms with the casting. And you just have to laugh at some point, you know? It's like, right. Cool. Sean Gunn's also a rocket now. I mean, Sean Gunn's got to be in all these things. All right. Um, yep. What else? Um, Karen Gillan was great as Nebula. I think Nebula really shined here. She's my favorite. I thought yes. she had the best arc of any Guardian Absolutely. character. Um, and it's like, it seems like on the surface, I think something that could be kind of easy to do because she's just kind of angry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got like tons of makeup to help her look like menacing and stuff. But she does like, I feel like it's even more impressive, like, like being masked in that way, but still conveying so much emotion you know what i mean scarlett johansson could never like i feel couldn't i feel like that that i I feel like like the direct comparison is like ghost in the shell like you have another person playing like a uh an android robot type person and yeah to me anyway like a female lead playing uh an android ish robot and i again the, the distinctions are obviously different but like you get a lot more out of that karen gillen performance yeah i totally agree i i feel like scarlett johansson was playing it whether she was directed to or whether it's her fault or not yeah more um like palatable like uh like a sex symbol a little bit you know um so i don't think she would do like the angry (laughs) aspect of nebula But I like, regardless, I just like this so much better. Yeah, absolutely. She's my favorite. My fa- she re- continues to be my favorite guardian. Yeah, I agree. Um, Vin Diesel is sort of a, a non-factor for me. Obviously, I don't think there's. Yeah, they kind of sidelined Groot in this movie, I felt like. Okay, even still, though, I feel like his vocal performance doesn't really. It's not something yeah, to sure. talk about, right? <laughs> like, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he says three words. Agreed. Except in well, this one. He, well, hmm um we'll talk about that i guess yeah um i thought um maria maria bakalova as cosmo was a lot of fun i loved cosmo yeah i wasn't like completely sold on cosmo from the holiday special no me neither um but she was great in this one i think so too um now how do you forgive me oh you know what no we've got we'll do mantis um we've got palm clementif uh returning as mantis um, I think we differ a little bit here in that I thought Mantis was a little um I think Mantis and Drax traded places for me um a little bit. Like one got that. dialed up and the other one got dialed down. And I think yeah. we're trying to I think I just need that balanced out a little bit more. I think Mantis was a little too mantis for my my taste in this. Like she's very too extra. Mantis. Yeah, I get that. I just think I mean she's great. It's just subjective, and I think she's funnier. So, like, if you have to turn yeah, someone up, I would, I would do Mantis and not Drax. But I, do, um, I don't dispute that she is definitely um, funnier than Drax. But I think she did a good job of like selling the more serious scenes when she needed to. You know, I, I agree with you. I still struggle with the Batista a bit. Like even still, even, even, even after all these big movies you, I, we do, I, when he's like trying to cry, I'm like, Ugh, I, don't I completely agree with you. Like the moment with um, Drax and the kids, like that movie, 
or that scene gets by. I don't think it like, you know, when he, you know, has his dad moment with the kids or whatever. Like, I think all of the set pieces are what make that good. And it's not necessarily Drex that makes that good. You know, like, I feel like, um, yeah, it's the performance is fine. It's the writing, um, which I don't think this movie has great writing anyway, but, um, sometimes this is the best of the three in terms of writing. Um, it has a lot of the gun hallmarks. Um, lots of humor, the lots sophomoric of, humor, lots of sophomoric humor. Um, a lot of, as you know, Bob style dialogue, a lot of telling and then showing, you know, like, uh, a lot of that. Um, but interesting. I think so. Um, remaining cast high evolutionary played by Dylan. Go ahead. Uh, I should have looked it up before. Chukwudi, Chukwudi Obuchi. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's from Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Okay, it's like oh, well, I didn't see Peacemaker. Um, he looks really familiar to me though. I feel like I've seen him in something else. I don't know what. I'd have to look. Um, um what do you think of his performance? Boy, you know, he was a lot of yelling. Um, he was, I mean, he was good, um, good enough. I think, I think, um, we had a swerve in that we were expecting Adam Warlock to be the primary villain of the movie. Um, at least I was okay. the pr- primary antagonist and it, uh, was not, he was not at all. Um, high evolutionary is a primary antagonist and okay. Speaking of performance, I think the performance was good. Speaking of writing, I think the writing for high evolutionary was pretty poor. Yeah, he didn't really have an arc. He's just evil. Yeah, he was a very cartoonish bad guy. Like, which I mean, I'm always team. I'm always okay with that more so than other people with the MCU villain complaints because if it means we can spend more time with the the heroes or like the people we care about, I'm like, let them be a plot device. It's fine, right? You know, he definitely um, but, was that stereotype. But I felt like we spent a little bit too much time with him. If that's the case, you know, like right. I thought just sometimes his scenes went a little too long. Uh, we cut back to the rocket and him scenes too much. So like, if it's and, not something that we're like meant to like sympathize or care about him at all, then it seemed a little, a little excessive for me. Th- there was a lot of overlap, right? Like a lot of his scenes were just giving us more of the same information. It's like, yep. Okay. Still a piece of crap. Got it. Still yeah. heartless. Got it. Understood. Um, yeah. They were the, peeling back the layers on like what his actual plan was, but I feel like it ended up being not that interesting. Right. The plan itself is not, I mean, you know what the plan is. He tells you immediately is to make a perfect society and it's going to keep evolving. What that, what his vision of society is, is going to change and evolve. I don't need it explained yeah. to me multiple times like oh it's not going to work because of this the animals are too angry it's not going to work like this because they're too passive or you know whatever it is i, I get it um but that's sort of like the theme with the movie um but we'll, we'll get to that um last big cast i think is uh will polter there's the only one worth talking about i guess uh for as adam warlock yeah um, um i thought he was fine. I he, he was all right. My complaint with the movie is that uh, one of my complaints is that um, I would have just taken out Adam Warlock. He I did really not need to be there. The, 
I realize you have to follow up on it because you set it up in two and people are going to be expecting it and you can't just like not deliver. But um, I don't think he was folded in very organically. It, I was telling my right. notes, it felt a little bit like Ironheart in Black Panther 2 in which sure. I really liked that character and she was fun and it was like cool to see her. But I would have also taken her out of that movie and set her up somewhere else, you know? Right. But I, I'm assuming he's going to be integral to Secret Wars and Has things to, to come. Yeah. But like, so... Dylan and I talked about this a little bit. We don't normally pregame too much for these reviews, um, but we did talk a little bit about this. Um, and we completely agree with this Adam Warlock stuff. Like, so Guardians 2 was in 26, uh, 2017. So six years ago. And so, like, they had this idea six years ago. That's a whole lifetime ago. That's before the pandemic. Like, that's forever ago, you know? Yeah. And whatever they had planned for Adam Warlock is probably different now. And they, they, they had to have him in here. So he feels very shoehorned and he, he adds, he look not talking about Will Poulter specifically. He did fine um, with what he had, but Adam Warlock adds nothing to the movie. The only plot element he contributes is being the thing, the inciting incident that mortally wounds rocket in the beginning, but that could have been anybody you could, that could have been during any sort of, you know, mission or whatever, Rocket gets mortally wounded and then they have to solve the problem. Um, but you have Adam Warlock show up, big fight. Um, and he's just basically a henchman for the high evolutionary, you know? right? He does nothing, he doesn't need to be there. I don't know. He, okay. I, I think you, you could have lost 20 minutes of runtime, um, by getting rid of him, but again, you can't, I, you can't get rid of him because the whole second movie tease was. Adam Morlock's coming in the next one. Yeah. And for better or worse, Marvel, I feel like, does deliver on the things they tease, you know? True. Like, you will see it, <laughs> whether or not it's good, right. you know? But the other one, there's, like, one other character was Zoe Saldana. Oh, we forgot. Um, I'm sorry. I for, totally forgot Zoe Saldana. Yeah. I thought she was really good. I thought um, she did a great job of playing... A different Gamora? Yeah. A, someone adjacent to the original Gamora, but different, like, you know, distinct, distinct. I hadn't articulated that, uh, and I completely agree with you. I think that it felt like an entirely different character than the previous two film installments, and that is a credit to Zoe Saldana, for sure. Yeah, and I don't know. um, I feel like it would have been easy, like, story-wise, to make her, like, fall back in love with the Guardians, and I don't know, are we going through, like, full like character arcs and stuff i don't know um, is it okay to sure okay well we i think that i thought the easy route would have been like to make her realize you know that she loves peter and like the guardians right. of her family you know like her found family and she needs to be with them but I, I i really like that they almost made her more independent and like stuck to their guns of making her a different person you know and that she her family is now like the ravagers and not right the guardians like when they're doing the big group hug at the end and she just walks away you know mm-hmm. um i don't know i really admired like that's kind of a through line with all the endings too i admired the like commitment to i'm hoping commitment to like putting the toys back on the shelf and being like we're done with these you know right um i know that's not the case with star lord but i was saying like that i really the arcs were so good for me with all of the characters that i'd be okay with never seeing them again you know what i mean Right. Everybody was wrapped up and I don't feel unfulfilled with anybody. 
Yeah. Don't bring them out. Just let them have their ending. That, let that let them live forever got. in that memory, right? There are a couple that I'd be okay with, like maybe if we go to nowhere and like Nebula's there or or Rocket. Like the new there's obviously the new team with Rocket, like I said and Groot, I assume we'll see again. Right. Adam Warlock, obviously. And then at the end it says legendary Star Lord will return. So clearly that. Which I, I do have a question about that. Like that's a very interesting phrasing and typeface, right? Because like Normally, it'll just say, like, Captain Marvel will return, you know, Moon Knight will return, and maybe with a little bit of logo or whatever. But this one speci- specifically said, the legendary Star-Lord will return. What does that mean? It's a, I don't know. It's it's definitely a reference to his solo title comic. Of course. It's a, it's a where reference he kind of went but... off and did his own thing. So um, does that mean we're going to get a show, a series called the legendary Star-Lord? I no, kind of hope right? not. I'd be okay with I would okay. I would be okay if he's just supporting in other Marvel there, projects. There are forward. unannounced stuff on that slate, right? Like, yeah, it could be something called the Legendary Star Lord. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got a Disney Plus series or something, right? That they shot at the same time. <laughs> yeah, surprise! We also shot this, and, and they shot the holiday special at the same time too, right? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um. Okay, so um, what else we needed to talk about here? So plot, I mean, we, we don't need to get into like all the plot details, but I can talk to you about um, my biggest issue with the movie if we want to get into it. Um, so okay. look, I know, I know everybody loves the movie. I know everybody loves the movie. 10 out of 10. I see all the reviews. I see it. And I respect that. The movie is good uh i just will never watch it again um so a personal thing of mine is i don't watch sad animal movies i can't i can't handle it i don't like it it's not for me i know my line and that's it this is the saddest movie i've seen in a very long time i have not seen i like if i know if i had known i still would have gone because it's for the podcast but like I was telling Dylan, I tr- truly I would have walked out of the movie if I wasn't doing a review for it. It was it was that over like it was like cartoonishly sad, comically sad. Like it's like oh what else what else can we do to make this movie more sad? Oh how about this? Oh how about this? You know it, it's just like uh, I, I think Dylan said something like it's like James Gunn googled how to make audience sad. You know and yeah, it it felt very. Like, yes. So I have so much to say about it. Like, um, I think it wasn't, it felt really cheap to me. Like, um, a lot of the, the, the sadness parts when I'm talking all about specifically is all the animal abuse flashbacks. Right. Um, which for I rocket. will for rocket. Yes. So if, if you haven't seen the movie, um, rocket gets mortally wounded in the beginning and is like hooked up to a bunch of machines while they're trying to save his life. They have a ticking, t- ticking clock. If we got to save rocket within 48 hours or he's going to die. And we keep flashing back to Rocket on the table, and he's remembering how he came to be uh, and the experiments with the high evolutionary and all the torture that he uh, endured. And you see it. You see all the horrible stuff. You see his friends that have been experimented on, held in cages, and you know the whole deal. I'm not going to relive it, right? But I have two points to bring up related to that. So 
Um, there's a lot of screen time dedicated to that a lot. And uh, much like the high evolutionary stuff, like it was, it was like, I got it after the first like 20 minutes of <laughs> like uh, this, the, the amount of times that we keep seeing this, we're not getting new information. We're just hammering home the same information. Rocket had a hard life and was experimented on and, you know, whatever we keep getting the same information just in different ways, just really just hammered home. And so I think that it was, it was too much. It was too much. Um, I agree. And another, an interesting thing. So I don't know if you're aware of this, Dylan. So I did some Googling. So James Gunn uh, and his wife uh, are vegetarians as am I and have been for, they have been for a long time. And he's pretty active in animal activism, which I appreciate and I'm about. And Lori was sitting next to me having just as hard of a time, if not harder time than me after the movie. She's like, that felt like watching a PETA film, you know, like the ones where they show you like all the animals being killed in the slaughterhouse and whatever, you know, she's like, it felt like a PETA film. And that's what he did. Like, I, I think he's doing his activism in film, which as an animal rights person i'm about it however i don't i'm good i don't watch PETA movies i don't need it <laughs> yeah um some people need to hear that message i don't i don't want to i don't want to hear it also in an interview well the thing i said you might not know in 2015 he gave an interview i think with collider i might be wrong um that he said his favorite comic was we three the grant morrison the grant morrison movie about animals that are scientifically experimented on and become superheroes and save the world or whatever, but like half of them die. And anyway, and he always wanted to make a Wii three adaptation. Boy, does it feel like he got that, got that in here. Um, and I've never read Wii three. I'm good. I know my line, but anyway, so that's, that's my soapbox on the animal abuse stuff. I think I just, if, if you, if you some, if you, are listening to this review and you haven't seen it yet. And that is a trigger for you. Avoid. You don't need it. You, you can skip it. it. It Take the saddest animal movie you've seen. It's worse. Like I can't, I cannot think of a saddest, a sadder animal movie that I've seen. It's like old yeller. It's, it's like, imagine. That's like, I feel like the ones where the dog dies is sadder. Like Marley. Mm-hmm. No and way. And stuff no like way. That. So, Okay, I have an example. So, like, imagine it's like Marley and me, except they start with taking you to the hospital, telling you your dog's gonna die, right? Then you take your dog home, have a good time with it, then you go back to the they go back to the hospital, and they're like, oh wait, he's gonna he's not gonna die yet. He's gonna die like in a couple of weeks. He's really sick, but he given these pills, he'll be okay, you know. And they just, you just keep going back to the doctor and keep getting rediagnosed that he's gonna die over and over and over again. It's like the last twenty minutes of Marley and me over and over and over and over again. Yeah, but it's saddest when he does die, and Rocket doesn't. Um, yeah, and it's the third one, so it's not really like starting with Rocket, in my opinion. It's like picking up where we left off. For sure, but I I completely see where you're coming from. Everyone has a different threshold, and yeah, I thought it was too much as well. And I I think I'm like not as like sensitive to it as you and Lori are, mm-hmm. but even I was like, ugh, like it was just more the way the the way it bothered me was more that it felt a little lazy, which you touched on, you know, right. It, it right. felt like kind of like a Pixar, like a toy story or an up or something where it's like something just engineered to make you sad. 
And when right. things are like that, I don't like receive it well when I can feel myself being manipulated. You know what I mean? It, right. Like, like taking my own personal biases out of it, it definitely is lazy. Um, it, it is the easiest way to make you hate somebody or sympathize with somebody or both. And that is we are supposed to sympathize with Rocket and his friends and hate the high evolutionary. You know, that was that was what those scenes are designed to to do. Um, to yeah. establish the high evolutionary as the biggest turd in the movie, right? And that's what they do. Yeah, but like it, it's done in a very lazy, repetitive way. Um, that being I think said, you may, like if that's the story, you need some of it. But like, there's definitely an avenue sure. where it could be like toned back a lot. Like they didn't. Luckily, they didn't really directly show any animal abuse. No, it was more just like implied the suffering yeah yeah which is also honestly worse um but yeah Um, no i i i'm with you like it 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 could have been in there it could have been a plot element um and i would have been much more okay with it but it was it was a lot man it's a lot yeah i i think it was too much and i could see kids struggling with it as well i famously had to be famous in my family had to be escorted from my dog skip or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My dog skip. Because I was uh-huh. uncontrollably crying in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Because uh, like, all right, we have to leave. We're fine. Because he got like beat with a bat, and I was like very upset about that, so we just had to leave. But, you but know I was what? like six or something, so it's fine. Right. But I this mean, was very upsetting. I agree for CGI yeah. creatures. And just and all of them are just so sad. <laughs> like just there's yeah. nothing and they're like, like that's so great to have friends like three times i was like i get it they're dying you know like, right. it's like we know they're not in the next movies so from the second they're introduced <laughs> you know what i mean it's like well i know where this is going you know yeah but i did appreciate i thought um linda carly needed she a was job great as, as lila yes she her if yeah, she yeah, the performance to make was great. us like her and be sad when she died <laughs> yeah she was good linda Cardellini was very good as lila uh, she had a great performance, and apparently Sean Gunn was good as Baby Rocket. <laughs> yeah, I because I um, didn't know that wasn't Bradley Cooper. I would say this is like maybe thirty minutes of the movie, uh, and not a, not in one chunk. It's like in yeah, five that's little that's bits. the other worst part is that like you can't really avoid it or skip it because it's like it happened. We right. flash back to it like maybe four times or something, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of chunks. Um, but that this that part is really my only like big narrative complaint with the movie so it's it wasn't too much like time wise so it was enough to overlook but i totally agree with you on everything you said right um and like i said i mean respect like if i if i was look i don't love james gunn as a filmmaker i think that's not a secret right um however if i was a filmmaker and i had that big of a platform and that kind of a message i mean i might not do it that heavy-handed i hope i wouldn't um but like i respect getting your message out there because and i support that's a message i support you know but like uh yikes a content warning would have been nice (laughs) i mean again i'm still gonna see it because of the podcast but like anyway we can move on from that um let's talk about the what else what else is to talk about like we have the the overall plot of the movie was um Pretty, I liked how simple it was. Pretty, pretty simple and basic, but it was. I think that that is what James Gunn can do better at when he's not trying to do too many things. 
Yeah, because we're here for, especially for the finale, I think we're here for the characters and wanting to know, like, how they end, basically, whether it be die or, like, right. spend the rest, like, right off to the end of the sunset, whatever. So, like, I feel like a, like, overly complicated um, high concept storyline would have been like unnecessary for me anyway. You know, I, w- I was pretty surprised that nobody died. Agreed. We, we I mean, I mean, I, maybe Drax. <laughs> I, I I mean, you know, immediately when the movie starts, that Rocket's not dying because, like, what are you going to put him in a coma for two hours and he dies? Please, like, never. Yeah. Like, all, the only they had me sold that Quill was dying when he got stuck in space. Like, oh crap, really? Oh, cool. I was like, oh, they're going to do a Star-Lord wild. And then yeah. he gets saved. I would have committed to that. Oh, man. And this isn't like this isn't like a Chris Pratt thing at all. I just think mm-hmm. it would have been like pretty poetic in that like Peter came into all these people's lives and changed them for the better and gave them like a family and a home and purpose. And then he leaves, you know, but like he himself had a sense of purpose and like went right. on a high note. Like I would have maybe committed to that. It's it's like it reminds me of uh, um, Dark Knight Rises where Batman should have died in the end of that movie and they didn't. Um, and it also reminds me of very, very like one to one comparison is um, Princess Leia. Like the exact same thing happened to Leia where she gets stuck out in space and she starts dying in space and then gets saved or like forced yeah. like. Like you had the opportunity, and this was a perfect story moment and real life moment because Carrie Fisher passed away. But like you had it. You had a good storytelling moment here and you didn't take it. Um, but they clearly have other plans for Star Lord. Yeah. Um I think um I, I said it already, but I think this movie was the best of the three. Um I will never watch it again. Um, that's just, I know my limits. I, I, I I'll, just make, a, I'll make a cut for you. If you can just, cut it out, I'll just trim them out for the VHS. Right? Yeah. Thanks. Um, um. Yeah, yeah. The, the intro was so sad too. It's funny. Lori leaned over to me, um, right after the intro, like of seeing rocket in the cage and then rocket walking around singing Radiohead or whatever. She's like, that is the saddest intro I've ever seen. And then it's like, oh boy, little did we know what the rest yeah, of the movie and- held. It's surprising because these movies always open the last two anyway with like a big action set piece. Like mm-hmm. it was him dancing and the other one. And then it was the big versus like the tentacle monster music number and the last right. one. So like it's opening a big, with Peter's drunk and depressed. A big shift. And yeah. everyone's kind of sad. It was like a, yeah, a big shift. But I mean, I think James Gunn really tried. He, he, he put, he put, his all into this. I think this is one of the best movies that he is capable of making. Um, yeah, I think it's his best movie. I do. I, I do too. I think it's his best movie. Um, and I think it's decent. I think it's relatively good. Um, so the reason, yeah, like, I mean, I basically already said it, but the reason I think it's as good as it is and the best guardians movie is, it's rare, especially in these Marvel movies and like superheroes on where things just kind of go on forever mm-hmm. to see, like, I guess outside of maybe Captain America, who's old now, um, to see like restraint shown um, with arcs, you know, because you want to see them. Part of you wants to be like, they'll go on adventures forever and they'll never die. And right. it's a cartoon, you know, that's like that's the most satisfying, like easy ending. But they kind of went their separate ways at the end like save for like a couple of them right 
Um, but they all did it in ways that tracked with the previous two movies and kind of put like a really nice bow in a way that like I wouldn't have asked for it, but I was really happy with. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and like I'm sure the Florence and the Machine song helped. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like the perfect like sad lyrics but happy sound song right. to play over this. And that's uh, it was the the Florence song was so interesting because it was not a retro tune. Yeah, I, which like I think that. was it's also like a stylistic. We right. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm sure that was not an accident. Um but do you have any surprise takeaways or like your biggest like positive about the movie? Um I'll give you mine was I loved Cosmo. I loved I thought Cosmo was great. I've always liked Cosmo as a character anyway. Um, and I loved that they showed how powerful she can be. Um, yeah. And I liked, I, I just like Cosmo a lot. That Cosmo is like my favorite aside from, you know, returning characters. I do like the new guardians. Uh, this isn't mine, but like, I like how they're all kind of animals except for Craglin, Adam Warlock. Yeah. And Craglin, I guess, but there's like a lot of like animal creatures there. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about, like a big comic character, especially a big queer one, is Phyla Vell. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's mm-hmm. a big guardian character. She has white hair. Um, you would know her like from comic covers if I pointed okay. her out to you, but she was one of the uh random kids oh, um, really? that they okay. saved, and then she was on the team at the end, and I thought that was very like I felt a little shoehorned as well, you know. Okay. Oh, I see and, I see the character you're talking about. And there is like um there seems to be a trend. I'm not sure if it's like worth pointing out yet with Marvel, but there seems to be a trend with introducing the queer characters where they make them children so they don't have to address any relationships. It's been like Ooh. America, America Billy and Phyla Vell, if they're going to continue with her. Um, hmm. Those are That's Marvel's interesting three point. biggest queer characters. Um, yeah. And, and it's yeah. like, it happens a lot in media and it seems, it's just like, at three, it seems like it's becoming a trend. I hope it's just a coincidence, you know. It probably is, but right. it's a little iffy at this point. Yeah, but I get you. I, that that, is, that is an interesting bring up though. I don't I don't think I have like a specific surprise or standout. My biggest um like a random another compliment is that i I liked how um isolated it was from the MCU. Like mm-hmm. Iron Man didn't show up or anything. It just felt like so. I was expecting in- it. I was expecting a yeah. third party to come in. It felt solely in service to the previous two Guardians movies, which I really liked as well. Yeah. I, I thought we were going to get, especially since this was Gunn's last Marvel movie, that we would get something inserted into it to make sure we anchor it back down to the MCU, which we didn't get, which is, like you said, very surprising. Yeah, it's like there's like almost no modern references or ties to the MCU. So it seems like it's aiming for like a timelessness or like a, you know, like a longer self life than other MCU movies, if that makes sense. I I know we're a little bit over, but I have one more question for you. Was this, do we know, was this shot with the knowledge that this was his last and he was going to DC? I know this was post firing and then he got rehired, did this movie and I don't know, like, what at what point that knowledge was had. I'm pretty positive it was because he had made Suicide Squad. Oh, that's right. And I think that deal started happening at, at 
that time. So I think this he shot this with the knowledge that this was his last movie. So maybe that's why he was so committed to making it good, sending them all off. But it's better for it, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's uh, let's rate it. Um, I'll go first. Um, I tried my absolute best to not have personal bias in it, so I'm giving it a three five. Um, which is good. It's a good score. Yeah. <laughs> Out of five, that is. Um, like, for example, other movies I've given a three, five that I love are House of a Thousand Corpses, um, Terrifier 2 I, and 1, Halloween <laughs> 2, not the crappy new one. I've given plenty of movies that I really love uh, three, five. So I think three, five is a good score. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I gave it a slightly higher score of four. Okay. Um, best Guardians movie, yep. best Marvel movie in a long time. I know we're coming on the heels of a bunch of meh ones, so it's like not a huge compliment, but right. It's I'm glad to see the MCU trending upward. At least I hope. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Hopefully the trend continues. What's the next Marvel coming out? Is it the Marvels? The Marvels, man, that looks so good. I know. And I think this is my first time seeing the trailer in theaters. I think. Same. Yeah. It looks so cool still holds up <laughs> still holds up still holds up but anyway anything else you want to add uh do post credits there's nothing really to talk about with the post credits other we already other than star lord's coming back yeah and there's a new team with yeah craglin rocket, rocket philavel craglin cosmo which i don't think That's we're it. gonna see I mean, we're definitely not seeing craglin coming back right I feel like if we do see them, it'll be like how they were in Endgame, you know, in, in, but in, in Secret Wars, something like that. Oh, sure. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you all so much for downloading us. We really appreciate all the support. Bye, everyone. This is Dylan. And I'm Michael. We'll see you next time. Thanks for sticking around for the mid-credits. We can tell you've been trained well. If you want to help us out, please go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It'll really help new people find the show, and it will help us to get Rotten Tomatoes verified so we can start affecting those rankings. Then, check out our socials. We're BRC Uncanny on Twitter, Uncanny Universe on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you online.